So that one peak again. Ha! Ha! ha. Staying alive. Ha! Ha! Staying alive. Staying alive. Ha! Ha! Staying alive. Ha! Staying alive. One, two, three, four. Need a little mower. A mower. I need a mower. Play the music. Cheers, Pete. And on saying that, welcome back to another edition. I was about to say Trip FM, but it ain't Trip FM. Trip FM goes back a long way. You mean working with Trip FM? No, Trip FM was was the precursor to, which was what I was about to say, welcome back to Stax. It's been a while. Stax. My man, the recurring object in front of me is none other than Peter Ashton. How are you, brother? Good, very good. We uh, we've been dicking around, haven't we? Just like with uh, we've got a like here we both do a bit of sound recording and engineering and all that stuff. And you'd think between us two, we'd have like a nice, you know, condenser microphone sitting in front of us. And here we are with two SM fifty eights plugged into. Uh, we'd have headphones and we'd everything. have headphones and everything, and that just two fifty eights plugged yeah. straight into a Claret. back to basics. We're loving it. We're just going. Straight out to... Uh, Fundamentals. Well, you're one of the few guys, Pete, that's got good mic technique. Relatively, except for that little peak red button that I got going. Yeah, but then you'd spend the rest of the podcast worrying about it if you were going to do if it. If I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm you, the kind of guy. You've reached your peak, it's all downhill from here, Pete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you, mate? What's going on? Pretty good. Pretty good. You've been... Uh, East coasting it. Yeah, for a long for a time while. now. Jeez, you, how long have you been over there? Up up to the top right yep. and then back down to the bottom right, I guess you can call it. Yeah. 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 Left if you're listening in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> yeah. Did we talk about Queensland last time I was down? October? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yeah. So we got all that. Well, we don't have to revisit that. That's all fun and games. That was. We talked backpackers and. I kept saying you lived in Cairns and you kept like, telling yeah, me you Yeah, close didn't. enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got over that hurdle. Yeah, I remember that. So, uh, mate, it's been, what, a good eight months since you've uh, wandered on into the Stacks podcast. The, what, this, what is this, it, July? Well, I don't think this place was completely finished like it is now. It was close. Yeah. But this is... Uh, you didn't have aircon, I remember. Oh, did you? Not sure. Did you have it with Andrew? Did... Um, Maybe. Or did we have to vacate every like 10 minutes to make sure that we didn't yeah. hyperventilate or what's the word for it? Kind of a thing. Die. <laughs> just to make sure you didn't just die. <laughs> you needed some sort of inward coming air. Yeah. Yeah. Oxygen. So, mate, um, 
No, it's it's now officially called the Dojo. So for those listening at home, um, it's been a while since uh, Stax has come out, and the reason being is is purely not easy to get guests in. Uh, but I got Pete back and flew him all the way over from Queensland just to appear on the show. Yeah, from Queensland as well. I had to fly from Melbourne to Queensland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then over to Perth. That was yeah ridiculous, wasn't it? You that didn't was actually go to Queensland, did you? No, no. Tullamarine. Were you at Tullamarine? Tulla. Yep. And then straight to Perth. Yep. Direct. Yeah. So you're just uh, good. It's now, different from Queensland. Mate, big big news. We're talking today about you know we have now one of our little chin wags we do about you know the future and all that stuff. And uh, so the last time we spoke to Pete, you had just what knocked out an album, uh, an EP. I wish an album. Yeah, that one day. One day, that'd be great. Was it the EP? But was it EP? Yeah. So it wasn't the Imprudence EP because you were nah, doing the film. That was years ago. Me. Yeah. That was ages ago. This is uh, another attempt. Yep. At it. Um, yeah. No film clips as of yet. That was a busy time, but we were yeah did a smallish tour around Perth and some venues down south: Bunbury, Dunsborough, Yelling Up. Um, yeah, it's good fun. But we did it. It was a little bit too cold. It was only spring. People weren't ready to come out yet. We had some good venues and some good crowds at certain places like Bunbury and uh, Rockingham, but some of them were a little bit dwindly. But, hey, you can't force people out. How did Spring well, It On can. go? You can. You can, but... Yeah. How did what go? Spring It On. Uh, the last Spring It On. Yeah. when I was around, you, it was all built up to that. And I was missing out on that because I was... Oh, that's right. Yeah. I missed out because I was... That's spring and odds they're successful. Um, yeah, really hard. I, I, I guess... I don't know. I'm getting old, mate. I'm starting to back out of the scene a Aren't little bit. Aren't we all? I got a bit... Uh, Aren't we all? Do you reckon I, it's... I got a bit carried away with the abuse I've been hurling at some of the <laughs> organisers of yeah. events. Some little things I wouldn't I've say heard. it's abuse. I'd say it's constructive criticism. I just don't think they're ready for it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we get called a keyboard warrior for. Yeah, I'm a know, keyboard warrior now. For picking up your keyboard. Wouldn't it be funny around? if they realise I can't even spell <laughs> or type? <laughs> well, that's maybe what they're getting offended at. Probably. <laughs> you can't type. That's yeah. offensive. Yeah, I was trying to call spell. them a motherfucker and ended up pointing out like I'm a yeah I'm a muntachaka and they're like oh, don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, but it's offensive. Whatever. It's, it's very offensive. Yeah. <laughs> What is it with millenniums? Is it millenniums? What are we? Millenniums. What are we, Pete? Are we millennials? <laughs> millenniums? What is it with millenniums? Uh, Coming around every 1,000 years. <laughs> I got called a millennial in Queensland. Did you? Even though I'm very certain, according to Generation, what's your generation, the game show thing on ABC, or yep. used to be, by... I'll be the old ones. <laughs> your Generation X, I'm Y... But then I got told I was a millennial. I was like, no, no. And then she's like, I'll show you. Looked up Wikipedia and showed me that I was a millennial. I'm like, that's changed. That's been revised. Have a look at when it was updated. <laughs> it was a Wikipedia. And it was. Did she pull out Wikipedia? She did. Well, it's not always correct, is it? It No, but it always is constantly. It's pretty close, but it was. it had been updated. But she didn't care. She just wanted to prove me wrong. So I was like, yeah, all right. You can have that one if you really need a win today. Yeah, but well, I'm definitely a Generation Y. A millennial is, I think it's changed again the Wikipedia description oh, to oh. 
anyone who was born from 95 onwards. So it basically means anyone who's grown up in the new millennium. Because let's face it, it, before the age of five... decades. It really should be like 1980 to 1990 is generation shoulder pads. Whoever's come up with the whole generation thing... 1990 to 90, the year 2000 is generation grunge. (laughs) Yeah. We should give them a call anyway and say, make it universal, like everything. One government, one world... Well, let's not go too far. One nation. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let's just uniform everything. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. We're getting a bit extremist here. Normal. So, <laughs> could be viewed as extremist. Yeah. I'm just if admiring you your... Uh, I'm just admiring My wave your, your wave. Yeah, your wave file. It's... Uh, very attractive. Can you enlarge them? We're just looking on the pro- uh, the projector here, and we're admiring our own wavelengths. Our own wavelengths, yeah. yeah. Our own wave it's a below. Bit geeky. Our, our, yeah, Pete's got a lot of dynamic range, range a bit. in his wavelength, and mine's a little compressed. But I'm going to fix that post edit, Pete. But they always look better when you enlarge them. <laughs> if you just make them bigger, yours will look really good too. Yeah. And you can actually enlarge them within, you can enlarge the wavelength within. Hang on, this Pro is Tools. a uh, Pro Tools schooling. Pro nerd. Bit of schooling from Pete's Pro Tools. Uh, May you use Pro Tools for your recording, don't I you? I do. I do. Just I Pro, did on just the last EP. Man, I'm a massive fan. It's good stuff. Isn't uh, it? Yeah. You can't beat it. I'm a massive fan of Pro Logic, quietly. Logic's good I for everything from, you know, sampling. See, Pro Tools doesn't do the whole sampling no, and, and the it's good for when I'm making comedy thing. albums because I can throw in stupid all horns sorts. and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And it's all there. The library's all... The library's there. Yeah. It's all good to get. The and the library. samples are really good. Yeah. The what? The samples. like the Yeah. And then, then you've got... You can either throw in a MIDI keyboard and then you can use it for your, you know, your horn section. I love a horn section. <laughs> You'd like it. Gets you revved up. Oh, it gets me, gets me going. <laughs> good horn. It's the blood pumping. Good horn section, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, if I'm to say which one do I like, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek and I, I, I do like the Pro Logic quietly. Yeah, well, way that's fair more enough. than Pro Tools. But Pro Tools, I suppose, Hold if on. you are recording everything from scratch, Pro Tools, the the settings and some of the reverbs and a few of those tools, especially their compressors and the preamp sort of feel about the Pro Tools is probably why it's the leading. Recording tool in the seems world. to be for audio based stuff, but when you get into sampling, then it goes to Logic Way. Well, I guess if you're a Mac first, logically, yeah. But Pro Tools is the benchmark for audio signal. It as is in when you're using microphones and you know actual instruments. But it's a it's not hard to use Pro Tools. I, I find it quite user friendly, intuitive. I think the word is you're looking for. Yeah, but I, as I said, but for creativity, I do I do like yeah, the, logic. the pro logic. So when you say pro logic, are you twisting my arm here, or you is that a hybrid that I don't know about? Pro logic is basically the high end of GarageBand. It's an actual software. It's software. It's, it's like program. it's like Pro Tools. So there's such thing as pro logic. Pro logic is the is the the Mac version of Pro Tools. Yeah, but it's not a Hybrid, when I say logic, I mean the logic, the program. The it's it's got recording nothing to program. do with Pro Tools. Complete yeah. different software. Yeah. 
So it's not a hybrid between the two? No. They haven't joined forces and done uh, something magical? Oh, well, that's a good question. I actually don't know the answer to that. But it's just what they call it on Mac. Yeah, yeah it's the one you can buy through the Mac app store. Yeah, ProLogic. Which okay. is basically the That's confusing. you get everything that GarageBand can offer. Ooh. Yeah, and you can tweak it a lot more than you can in GarageBand. You kind of with GarageBand, and you can uh, you you can buy a lot of plugins for GarageBand, like, and you can get a lot of free plugins. Which, is, look, in all honesty, if you're a young person out there and you don't have just cash, but if you can get to GarageBand, go and download all the free little plugins that it's got, and you can create some pretty tasty stuff on it. Really tasty stuff, yeah. yeah. And it records quite well. Of some of the pre-amps and uh, the amp settings, you can do so you can plug straight into an interface, and away you go. Using the the modelled amps in the program are quite good. Uh, more so where Pro Tools are that you, you, what you get with Pro Tools is more ability for editing and and really stitching things together really nicely. It allows you to do that, I reckon, a little bit easier. Mm. Then Logic as well. Where Pro Logic will allows you to do just that. I but work Logic, with Pro have Logic you ever because I know used I Logic? know it more than Pro Tools. The Mac based. I don't Pro have Tools. it on this computer, Eddie. I've got it in that one. Hmm. Yeah, which is stupid because this easier. one's out in my studio. <laughs> but I'll sit in there and I'll do what I do is I like to record out here in the studio on Pro Tools. Then I take it. I just drop the wave files onto a um, onto a thumb drive, go in there, I'll drop them onto the computer, and then I import it into ProLogic there, and I add like like the horn section on Bangaranga was all done in there on. I was just going to find a segue into the that. Tubers. You've been doing a lot more comedy these days. Not so much. No, I'm only on just starting. I've just released a song called Bangaranga. Oh, you released it. You threw it up I on the say cloud. I I just let it out into the wild. Well, yeah, that's what we all do these days. I mean, who? Oh, I tried to release something. It's not late last year, and it's kind of like I got really confused. Yeah, I, I sent I just it to a few something? mates and said, you know, like, listen to this. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I, I'm, Have a laugh. I'm back again. Look who's back. <laughs> Tell a friend, you know. So it was basically just to uh, let people know that I'm. I'm Working currently on a Buffhead album. I, then the first one was Bring Back the Buff. No, sorry, the first one was Born to Be a Buffhead. <laughs> and the second album was Bring Back the Buff. Now this one, I still haven't named it, but I've I've put it out to tenure for people to name. Oh yeah. Throw some good names at me, and I've had some good ones. Uh, what have you had? Still buffing. Spoof. Which I thought was tasty. But uh, Buff It Up Ya is a bit of a bit of a leading candidate so far from uh, my good mate Troy McClellan uh, over on the East Coast. Buff It Up Ya. Still buff. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, uh, I do plan on getting an album down, writing a new show, and hopefully be touring with it at some point. Touring? Wow. I'll send the wife to Japan with the munchkin, and uh, I'll go on a tour. Oh, full on. Well, if you have a band, let me know, because I would be gladly involved in that. That'd be funny as. Yeah, no, nah, not really. I don't need a band. I need a probably a sound tech and a door chick, <laughs> or both in one. 
or be a great. Set. Yeah, or both of them. Well, technically, if they're going to tour with me, yeah, I'll probably need a an all-in-one package. Package. Mm, interesting. But it'll be a quick tour. It'll be a maybe a two-week tour at best. Or it'll be close to Christmas, and I can go because I've got some time off over Christmas. Yeah. Um, ah, yes, being the school teacher you are these days, or technically. Yeah. Well, school teacher hours anyway. Yeah, it's school teacher hours. So yeah. <sighs> Mate, so uh, tell us a bit more about you. Down Melbourne. Yeah. You sort of, I wouldn't say you've given up on music because no, taking a break. You never give up on it, but you've you can't. You've just relaxed you? a bit with it, haven't you? I have. I've needed to do that because I've been on it, pushing it hard for a very long time, and I'm, yeah, I'm just a little burnt out. But like you say, it's always there, so I just need a break from it. It's just been, yeah. I still do a few gigs in Melbourne, but not very much. Just the odd solo acoustic thing every week or two. And, uh, yeah. But. So where are you playing? Where's the solo shows in Melbourne? Oh, they're all over the place. Uh, I'm at, what was I recently? Gladstone Park Hotel. That rings a bell for some reason. That comes to mind first. Um, where else? I've what's been the playing difference? a lot at. Hang on, what's the difference between? Because you've played a lot in these three areas in particular: Melbourne, North Queensland, and Perth. Give us a bit of a synopsis on. All right. What, what like, sort of give us if like a quick sentence at best of describing each of the scene in those areas. Okay, Melbourne, pokies, which means <laughs> the venues that will pay artists because they've got spare cash are places with pokies, which means most people are there to play pokies and you're just the background, which is fine, but they're a little bit kind of monotonous and tedious and boring. From what I can do, you see, the thing is I've only done a few gigs in the last, well, you know, quite a few gigs in the last few months there, so I can't say for sure. I haven't done the, I haven't, you know, been all at the scene, so I can't give you a full answer on that one yet. But then, compared to Perth, where there's no pokies, you get more chance of people listening and you can engage better. And then, when say Queensland, North Queensland, because I was in a party town in Early Beach, it was backpacker central, so. It would go in phases, uh, and the phases would go week to week. You'd get like a new shipment of backpackers in. It's continuous flows of new people. So it most of the time, if you know what you're doing, you can get people revved up pretty easily. Well, not easily. You've got to work for it. But, yeah, it was a lot more With excitable. With <laughs> I should have thought about that. I did use a couple of backing tracks, even though up there they were a little bit frowned upon. But I would use it, and certain venues loved it, but some venues not so keen on it. But they wouldn't tell you. You'd have to find out through another. See, I've, I come from the school of backing tracks are the devil. They are. And before I went, I was talking to a good friend who's up there. I was like, I really don't want to use backing tracks. I hate backing tracks, blah, 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 all the, that kind of thing. Um, and he was like, yeah, but you know, and he kind of talked me around. So I made a few of songs that I really like and <laughs> enjoy playing in a band. 
so I made a few of my own and that made it a little bit more authentic because then I could really and then I really enjoyed it because it didn't sound cheesy because I made them and I made them sound as close to the original as possible. How so it made I, it kind of really authentic and Yeah. I mean he's he's one way to go authentic. If I was to do it, because I love a horn section and <laughs> prologic, I think I wouldn't have bass guitar and guitars like for most songs. I think a lot of my music would then end up as kind of polka and have the bomb 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 bomb, you know, the the tuba sort of pom 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 sort of playing a lot. Yeah. I like, can you imagine like bom 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 you know like yeah. for a bit of metallica or something like that with the tubers <laughs> just cut loose on a poker baseline. Oh. That's actually a good idea. If you if you during your tour, if you thought about doing backing tracks, bring the horn section in but just put the horns on the backing track, do everything else live. Yes. So yeah. it's only just adding that bit of atmosphere into the whole thing. And then thing. look around, like, where's that coming from? <laughs> yeah. I'll pretend like, oh. Put it into the show. Add yeah. it to a gag. Yeah, somewhere there's pixies in the room playing a beautiful little, like piano trills and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a line that you cross where you've overdone it, and bands can do that. And I kind of did it, but with the backing tracks that I made, I was really... I, I spent a lot of time on them and they were really, you know, they sounded great. So then I started enjoying them and I would only bring them out when they were, you know, appropriately, you know, I wouldn't just bring them out in any gig because that's just, that's the weird cheesy part. I'd only bring them out at certain venues at the end of the night when I know people are starting to, they want to dance. And that was the other thing with the backing tracks is getting that beat going. And you can only do so much with the stomp box. Um, do you ever try looping? Yeah, I was doing looping as well. So yeah. I would at the start of the night, I'd start, I'd loop and I'd do lots of you know really easygoing songs. Second set, I'd ramp it up and do more stomp box, more looping, and then by third set, I'd bring the backing tracks in. So I just basically make fun for myself. I try and make I've, it as interesting as possible. Whenever I've done looping, I like to use it more for a bit of rhythm, like a. Mm. You know, mm. you know, like sort of like if I was doing something like that, and then put that nice, well, by you know, obviously tapping the guitar in the right spot, something you're well aware of, and and it would give it a nice that plus. Mm. And then if you play the acoustic well, see when I'm playing solo, obviously I, I never do a lead. I never do a lead break anyway. Lead breaks are the devil for me. I can't because. <laughs> Basically, I can't do them. I've got four lead breaks I've ever done in my life, and I stick to them. So people are like, oh, that's not the solo, but it's a solo. <laughs> you know, it was a bit like that uh, that guy that told me like, here's a here's a story. But we were talking about this earlier about I got ragged out about you know I sort of like said that some of the bands on a bill coming up aren't that flash. And got hammered for it, shot down in flames because we live in a soft-ass PC world these days. <laughs> and then the guy's going, yeah, mate, your band's not much better. And then I sort of hit, touched on the fact that, yeah, but you said we were better. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> and we're not on the bill. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you're just cut because you're not on the bill. And then I sent him through my zero fucks policy. 
and uh, <laughs> it was all good. I won't bring in PDF names format. I won't bring names into it. Full official PDF. He goes, what do you do? Who are you, man? I go, don't worry about who I am. Worry about what I what I do. <laughs> and then you had a whole I bunch felt of... so tough writing that behind my keyboard in a safe environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you man. see some of the things written by people online are pretty harsh, right? Yeah. And you always wonder, like, what are these people like? Can you imagine just some sort of, like, like the world's deadliest man, Steven Seagal. <laughs> so can you imagine if Steven Seagal's sort of sitting there, do you think he'd like he'd be like, hey, uh, you're a fuck knuckle. Yeah, uh, 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 you couldn't did, take it seriously. Did I ever tell you about the time that I killed four people with a one-inch death punch? You know, like, <laughs> like can you imagine like, if he was to like, just lace it at people, you know, like, and then people go, oh, fuck it, what are you, some sort of keyboard warrior? No, I'm, I'm Steven Seagal. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, oh, yep. shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't only worry if you actually provoked him for real <laughs> and told him your address. So I didn't know he was, I did not know he was the world's Mistakenly. deadliest man. Oh, yes, yeah, he is. No, he, t- he, he told everybody. Oh. Yeah. Hi, I'm Steven Seagal. And I'm the world's deadliest man. Ah, yeah, it sort of went like that. But it sounds like that sounds like a promo for some movie or something. Maybe. Or some thing he's got coming up. Maybe. Not sure. Is he actually trained, or is he just a movie star? I think. Uh, no, I believe no. He is uh, like sixteenth dan in Aikido or something. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so he is actually trained. He taught. Uh, there was a UFC fight with a guy called the Spider, who was uh, uh, oh something silver. Anyway, but he won this fight by a front kick under the chin of another Brazilian. <laughs> Seems to be a lot of Brazilians in this mm. martial arts thing, and I believe he came out and said, uh, "I taught the Spider the kick just before he went out to fight the fight." I'm glad you listened. Mm-hmm. Good grasshopper. You know, so... Was, <laughs> <laughs> he did something like that. So, yeah. It was uh, Vitor Belfort. Yeah, he chopped Vitor Belfort under the chin. Uh, and Anderson Silver is the guy that did it. Yeah, and and uh, he did claim that he was responsible for teaching him that kick prior to the event. So... He, to me, is now the world's deadliest man. He, <laughs> I mean, have you seen the movies he's in? Like, yeah, wow, the guy hardly moves and people fly <laughs> yeah. around and yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> he's solely responsible for Aikido staying financially viable in this day and age. <laughs> uh, hey, do you want to hear a song? Yes. All right. I would love to hear a song. Which one? One of your. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you reckon? We have a break, show, share some music, play it online, play it on here, and then analyze the crap out of it afterwards. Is it online? <laughs> Can we find it on uh, on BoobTube? Either that or, oh, not YouTube, but Spotify. But I could just get it to you on the phone quite easily. Yeah. If you, 
you're connected to the net on that computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Might be a bit slow, but it might be all right. You never know. <laughs> we live in a funny zone here. I call it the twilight zone because sometimes you can get things on the net and other times you just can't, Pete. <laughs> I know. It's like that when I'm staying in my so brother's tell house. Before we play here. it, because we're going to play it for you guys right now. What is this song? It's the single off the EP that I released in October that I didn't get to play you because when I came in to talk to you last, it hadn't been released. Was it written, performed, and all the instruments played at the same time by <laughs> Steven Seagal? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. That's a good idea for the next EP. Has Steven Seagal ever personally told you that he is the most dangerous man in the world? Personally? No. Again, I'm sure you haven't been within ten meters of the guy. No, I'm, I'm still waiting for the moment that uh, he graces my general vicinity. I'm being, see now, I'm being a microphone warrior because if Steven Seagal was in the room, I wouldn't be taking the piss out of <laughs> yeah. Steven Seagal. We'd be like, hey. They're like, hey, what we've got the we... most awesome dude in the studio. Yeah. Everybody, you know this guy. He appears in many movies. He is a great martial artist. Really good guy. I looked up to him for a long time. <laughs> really love this guy, what he's about. Amazing what do you like sensei. around celebrities? Oh, a huge guy. Great figure. Massive <laughs> dong. Here he is. Steven Seagal. <laughs> what do you like around celebrities? Me? Or people that are famous. When I was in Melbourne, yeah. I was... Uh, went around my my mum turned 70 and we all went on a family trip first time in a very long time uh, around lawn and around the outskirts and everything and out of nowhere I forget his name what kind of the the Big Kev Green's main senator dude what's his name something Bob Brown no the Green's main person I don't even know what you call them what's their title politician yeah politician the Green's guy the main guy. Oh. He lives there. He's oh. around from around there. I'll look oh. it up. Yeah. Oh, he was around. And all I could do is just been, you know, smile. I like the guy. He's, I, I like what he stands for and all that kind of stuff. And he disrupts the politics in this country, which is good. I like does he do a bit of uh, like the labor unions and all that? Like, does he go in and shorten it down? So. We're here. We're shorting it down. <laughs> you ain't got a green card. We're shorting it down. Does he do a bit of that? I don't know, I didn't ask, I should have asked him. Because you could shoot him down. <laughs> don't shoot him down. Shoot. Shoot him down. Shoot. Yeah, don't shoot him down. Yeah. But what do you like around these people? I just smile. I just can't, I'm like, yeah, hey, that's kind of cool. Like, uh, 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 I forget if I've got any qualms or not. I haven't met that many. Um, okay, so... I've been around some rock stars, which I've been working for, so you can't be a tool. That's a bit different, yeah. yeah um, but Ernie Dingo mm. sat next to him at a Carols by Candlelight. Wow. On the ground? Do you want to hear a really bad joke? Yeah. He needed more candlelight. Uh, <laughs> that's really that's, that's really bad. Um, yeah. Actually, I, I, you don't I get don't it. get it. Yeah. It's because he's got darker skin. 
That's what I thought you were going. I yeah, thought, oh, really you better bad. know. You haven't. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. I said it. Because there could be go. a so, keyboard huh? warrior out there. If you put this on SoundCloud. Oh, there'll be some keyboard warrior that wants to There'll be someone who wants race. to bust you up for uh, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> With his keyboard. Um, no, I sat next to him and a uh, lovely guy. I sat down and just had a chat. And, and I grew up watching him on um, my first time I ever knew who he was. And I actually, I love the guy because I, I used to watch... Fast forward, and he was Steve Vai and all that, and he played a character called Godet. I'm Robert Godlebson, and I'm here to talk about that big fella, money, you know. Mm. And he'd, he'd do this character, and it was awesome. Like, uh, and I used to think it was hilarious. I just thought he was awesome at it, and then realised he was a bit of a serious actor. Didn't know that he was a WA fella, and then uh, yeah, right, yeah, just sat down next to him. But I sat down at, as I said, next to him at Christmas. Carol's in the park and he was just sitting beside us and just like was real cool. I just said, Oh, get out, mate. How are you? He's going, Oh, good. Like, I didn't call him by his name because it might have been a bit, you know, when you don't know someone. I thought I'll play it. Ernie! Yeah. G'day. Oh, g'day, Ernie. How you going, mate? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit too creepy. Yeah. Oh, g'day, boyfriend. How you going, mate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been pretty fun. But no, I just played it pretty cool. And then he was there with his grandkids and um, they were all just playing and singing and, you know, playing with glow sticks and handed them out a couple because my mum went ape shit with the glow stuff <laughs> as, as she does and handed a few out to him and that and uh, he was appreciative and yeah and then I said oh you live close by and he goes yeah just up the road and I went oh beautiful oh this is around here yeah Local. it was actually yeah just down at um, Heathridge the yeah. big, big one at Heathridge uh, True North I think is the church mob that do the Christmas carols it's massive like there would have been 4,000 people 5,000 people there been to this one yeah it was really big but it, it was yeah good so he sat down and didn't, did you see who was doing the sound him, you know what i mean like i mm. just but yeah, i just sat next to him. and then just uh before he up and left and that just sort of like nice to meet you mate i'll see you around he goes yeah yeah nice to meet you too mate yeah take care and i went you too mate and um was qu- quietly chuffed that i just was very normal and i guess that's what i'm like around celebrities i i like to treat them just like they're a nobody and well, I, they probably I like think they, they like that. Well, I'm sure there's some Just that ordinary people. Like yeah. who? They'd want to be fussed over. Well, there'll be celebrities out there, I'm sure, that, you know, want to I be I think like, they'd be over it. Do you know who I am? I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Dark Lord. Uh, I'm a Sith. <laughs> I'm fully Sith. You know, like, so... I could kill but, you with a finger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could kill you with a thought. <laughs> <laughs> Key with this tray. <laughs> You're still going to need a tray. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like it would be. Uh, I'm sure that there are people that, you know, their celebrity know. status means a lot to them. Mm. Probably mid-level celebrities too, and, and low-level celebrities. If, Perhaps if there's levels. Yeah, let's not name any because we might get another keyboard warrior going. What do you oh, say no, is a the, mid-level celebrity? Who bring the keyboard warriors on because I love it. Keyboard warriors. <laughs> Right into Stacks podcast and give a shit because uh, then we got something to talk I can't about. Read. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> man, there's hieroglyphics on the screen again. Uh, you get that still living with mum at forty-five. <laughs> yeah. Really? Or is it? Here's a question. Oh, me, at some point, does mum live with you? Mm, full circle. At what point does it? Yeah, does it change? And you know, like you it does. 
It, it does at some house. point. Yeah. I mean, you may never have moved out the house, but now it's... Tides have turned. Tides have turned. It's now mum lives with me. <laughs> Ladies. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, a break of a, f- a couple of decades while you bear children and, and do the generational thing and then... And then it comes full circle and mum moves in with you. Yes. Yeah. Happens quite a lot. Or dad. Or both. That's why I've barred up my doors. That's like put on high security. <laughs> it's only ever one though. It's never both, is it? Have you ever heard of both parents moving no, back right. in with someone? No, it's usually after a marriage breakdown. Yeah. Or a Cause unfortunate, the kicks untimely in. death or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, untimely death or something like that, so... So it makes sense that it's it's just a loneliness thing, and fair enough. Are you lonely tonight? <laughs> hey, we need to get back to the song. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Play a couple of tunes. Get this first song is, whiskey. go on, Pete, one of yours. One tell of mine us, first. Tell us a bit about one of yours. It. Yep, then one of mine. Uh, this song is the title track off the EP that I we brought out last October. It's called Still Falling Gaze yeah, I've by said, Park I've Avenue. That. You've heard that one? It's been, I swear it's been on the podcast. Okay, we'll play another one then that's even more rockier. Yeah. This one's called... What is it called? Shit. Too Far This Time. Let's play that one. Here it is. Parker Avenue and too far. This time. This time. (laughs) I've gone back into the multiple syllables titles for tracks.
sorry you won the chance For me, personally, my favourite song that you've done. Thanks, man. I like it a lot. Cheers. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's... I love the, right from the get-go, with that that sort of old, it kind of gave me a bit of a sea shanty feel at the start with the way that seesawing violin was kicking off. And then I had, I've got, I got tastes of prog rock in there with it as well and it's not boring it's not over complicated <laughs> which is a trap i fall into a lot I, I just said to pete off air i said one thing that I, I find with some of pete's music and like being just purely critical as a mate is that pete is an absolute genius and really just gets so fastidious and when he's recording and stuff like that and you love your weird time signatures and you can get very bored with the four and because you've been doing yeah. it for so long and you've got so much capability. For you to go back and play something like Viking, which I've done, which is just dum ka, boom, boom, ka, like, no, but it's not like that though. It's, know, it's it's more it's more that uh, like where you you sort of like oh, but this I can do so much more. I don't know, but that that for me, I don't know, but that nailed it. That was the perfect mix of of chaos. <laughs> Meets the groove, you know what I mean. You never gave up the groove in that, and the grooves the whole time's in there, and it's kicking. And it's, mm. you know, I've always said like when you do things like throw a three-four timing signature in the middle of a four-four song, and just watch the crowd when they look it around, going, "I don't know, what how, do we do? I don't know how to move to this." You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're, and it's not just yourself on on that's done it. A lot of people do, you know, and. And it's not, and it's like for me, I sit back and I go, that's genius. Listen to that time change right there. It's great. Or they might, like money, like Pink Floyd. You know what I mean? Mm. People did not know how to move to that. If you mm. if you watch things like Live at Pompeii yeah, when they're playing it, people in the crowd are doing, and they don't know when to move and they kick the leg out and, <laughs> and it just stuff people up. And it's, so the general punter's not going to get it, but it's a music, you, you're a musician's musician, you know, like if, you, if we're going to analyze that. Well, man, I appreciate you saying yeah, that. Yeah, there's because a lot of stuff in there where you go, wow, this guy's, he's he's got a lot of talent. You know, A what lot I mean? to so, say, a yeah. lot to fiddle with. 
Fiddle. <laughs> no, it Speaking was, of fiddle. That's, yeah, that's my take from that song. I just, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed the, yeah, and it's the great production. Yeah, James Newhouse, he's a gun. He's a gun. No other words to say it. He's just so good at what he does. He mixed it and mastered it. So, yeah, just took it home. And I got the pleasure of going down to just outside of Bunbury where he's based. Uh, has a studio out of his home. And he said, because I, I came in early to before the tour that we organized in October. And uh, I said, oh, we're going to have to obviously, you know, time scheduling wise get this done as, as quick as we can before so we can get time to get everything pressed and ready for the tour didn't quite work out that way but it was close um and he said when you come down late on i can't remember it was like monday night or something and then we'll get up early and get to it and yeah it was awesome just driving into this acreage at the middle of the night Everything was open for me. It was, you know, let me into his home and into the guest quadrant. And his setup was there on the left. And I took a photo of it. It was awesome. Just this room, kind of like this, a bit bigger. And just, yeah, all the old school gear and racks and everything was just sitting there. And then we got up early and um, I heard his family in the kitchen. And uh, I met the kids and we all had breakfast together. It was a very homely feel. If you ever... If you're listening to this and you want to record something and you're in Perth, just go to James Newhouse, for God's sake. Because he's, just... he's, he's done a few major albums, hasn't he? And he's just recently yeah. worked on the, on the what you were saying, the Waifs. Yeah, Ironbark. I think it's called, shit, is it called Ironbark? Yeah, the last Waifs album. Last and that was phenomenal because yeah. he, he, the recording process on that, if you read about it, he used like one singular... Neumann, I think a microphone on a lot of stuff. And the waves are that good these days that, well, they've always been brilliant, but they were all just gathered around in a full circle polar pattern microphone, large diaphragm condenser thing, and uh, would do everything live. And he would be there capturing it in, I don't know where it was recorded, but yeah, it sounds phenomenal. Would it have been in in that studio of his? Not no. Down there? They no. did. I think they did parts of it. Oh god! Because the wives are from Perth. They are. Yeah, you got the two sisters and the and old mate. But don't. Um, I thought they might have their own space somewhere. It may have been done there. I didn't read. Um, I can't remember the article that I read about it. But uh, yeah, it may have been in their own space. There's some great studios here in Perth. Another one there that are. I'd like to talk about too is. Uh, Poon's Head. Poon's Head. Yeah, with um, Rob Grant down there. He he is originally, I believe, from Canada, maybe Nova Scotia. Mm. I could be wrong. I'll be corrected by the keyboard warriors <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm wrong. Get a keyboard launched. But he launch still uses everything. Everything is analog. There's he's got digital stuff there for recording, but the like for the mixing and all that, he's gone that way now. But for a long time, but everything he actually records with. He'll record it on an analog device hmm. and then load it up so it's got that analog feel. And you can't so beat we did it, our album when I was playing years ago with the Bone of Contention with uh Sevy Deschamp and Timmy Collins, Graham Poges and uh Carlos Baranuscus. We recorded an album down there. 
hmm. at Poon's Head, and it was uh, that's what blew me away. It was uh, it was when sort of everyone was starting to do the the bedroom recordings, you know. Hmm. But to walk into that studio with everything still analog, and a big beautiful old sort of desk and. You know, it was just amazing. And the sound he got for that album was different to anything I've ever heard that isn't analogue, you know. It sounded like we released a CD that sounded like a vinyl mm. cut. It was warm, you know. You, it's so. every part of the process of recording can change the end result sound. It's incredible. The Even from... Oh, it's It's nuts. Right from... The microphones you use, the instruments you play, the pickups, the the amplifiers, the drum kits, the woods, everything. And then it's captured and then the mixing stage comes in on certain gear and, you know, certain digital workstations or analog workstations. And then it gets masked on top of that. Everything, there's so many things that can change in the meantime. I don't think a lot of people realise how many times over the, that sounds can change. The album, I remember the the, the album we did, uh, sorry, the album I'm talking about, the EP that we did uh, that had Imprudence on it um, a few years ago. When I remember listening to that at Vass's house, who, who recorded it for us, who did the drums on this one, uh, it was a completely different sound to, well, not completely different, but significantly different than when we, after we got it sent over to be mixed in USA by the guy that uh, did, uh, Jeff Tomei, who does, well, cut his teeth on the, with Alice in Chains and all those guys, who else, Smashing Pumpkins, um, got it sent back and it sound different again. It's just, it's nuts how much, that whole process is an art form in itself. I believe that's the same guy that uh, mastered Extortion's album as well. Quite Another possibly. band here, yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. Because um, he, same thing, Alice in Chains, Cody Seth, a lot of that stuff. Smash, did you say Smashing Pumpkins? Yep. Yeah, he did that yeah. first album. I forget what it's called. Um, Melancholy Dream. and the Infinite Sadness, or was it Summer's Dream? That? Was Is that the first one? I'm not sure. Ah, oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but the the product you got there, mate, it's it's world class. And and you were just saying, you know, like you're not pushing it, and and you're right. There's there's just so much out there these days. So much is coming in. It's saturated. It's saturated. Like that's the beauty of the '60s and the '70s. You had. It wasn't. It wasn't though. Oh, it was. Because we can't oh, say we didn't live in that, that time. time and we wouldn't have got close to recording. Exactly. We weren't good enough. Yeah, we weren't talented enough. You, the, well, the people that got to actually recording, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. like anything. It's like a soccer player today. A soccer player, you zipping back to the fifties. How would he go? Would he be better because he's trained better and he's full time professional athlete now? Would he be the best player in the world? So, say for example, the science we, we have Lionel now, Messi or we take a. Yeah, but the science we have of it now and the analysis we've had for all those years, you can't really compare it, can you? You That's can't right. just send someone back from today and put them in that, yeah. It's a well, different if you time. if your song and put it back to those days, everyone would be... Well, I wouldn't have been inspired. The off it would be sound engineers going, wow, listen to that production. Where other people would be going, what is this? It's from the future or something, you know? <laughs> and you'd be like, well, yeah, it is. 
But what would I have been inspired if I wouldn't have had the time growing up in those ages to be inspired by the musicians that have made me, you know, inspire that music? It's, you can't, it's, it's not really a, a thing that you can talk about. I don't think it's not really a comparison because there's so many things that come into play when you're producing music inspirations being one of them and you're people that you've learned from. And, um, if we grew up in the sixties and fifties, you know, Beatles were cutting edge and you listen, some people listen to the Beatles now. Okay. Beatles are a bad example because they were still timeless. A lot of their tunes are still timeless. Especially the white album. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, they went through that real experimental phase with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Arts and all that kind of stuff. And they, but uh, I find that White Album, it stands up today. Like it's, mm. it sounds good and it's riffing and it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's like if the Beatles were still around and playing together as a, as the foursome still, that they would have went through that in the 90s or, or 2000s. That they could have played. What were some of the songs that I'm not that familiar? I feel bad for saying this because I grew up with the Beatles in my household, but I had the greatest, the best solves and all that. I didn't actually have albums of the Beatles. Yeah, so I've got to admit, I'm the same. I didn't have a huge collection, but I, I did like a few of the, and I, I did have the White Album. Someone, I ended up with it somehow. So what I did listen to it quite? What a are lot. some of the tracks off it? I tell you the thing that you off. remember off the White Album is. The um, the the piano drop at the end of uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, right at the very end of ah, I'm having a brain fart. The piano is just ends, it's just dong, and it lets it ring out right at the very end. And that song is Lennon singing. I know it. Anyway, dead time. I'm not going to think of it now, but it's. It was just, it was sort of semi-still experimental. Abbey Road Studios, once again, you know what I mean? But they, they riff quite a lot off it. But, um, I don't know, it's just, because you got to remember too, at the end, right at the end of when they were really ending up, you had that new wave of Britpop come through, like The Who, uh, and you had that, The Who and, and Sabbath were really kicking in by then, and uh, then you had Queen, you know, so you had a different... It just changed, you know. Queen, I think, still have some of the best sound. I love some of the sound. Oh yeah. Some of Brian May's riffs are just amazing. Like, you know, they they stand up today. Sabbath stands up today. Um, who else was sort of big? The Who. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still turn around and listen to, not so much Tommy Boy and their stuff like their, you know, that kind of thing. The 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 records that are. But you know what? I, I'll be honest, man. I, I don't listen to a hell of a lot of music. Neither do I. Mm. For the last couple of years, anyway. Yeah. yeah. For the last couple of years, definitely. That's me too. And, and in saying that, it's been since podcasts have come out, I haven't listened to much. But yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I, when it comes to production and stuff like that, I get into, like you were saying, standing around a mic, the Grand Old Opry sort of stuff. And. Having like oh, I love Dan Tominski and listen to that guy and doing that flat picking sort of stuff around one microphone, you know, four or five of them. You know, it's uh, 
And and I'd, I'd like to do that in this room, actually, just set up one mic and have a few guys around that we just play mm. and see what comes out, you know? Get that live, not yeah. only just... You don't uh, see that much anymore, you know? Just get a yeah. good acoustic sort of thing happening where we all sit around a mic, one mic. Because then you're capturing... Yeah, but there's still it's, that's still going on a lot. I was surprised. The more I read into certain recordings that I'm into, the more I realise that a lot of it was recorded live and then it was just a couple of overdubs. It's, I, I didn't think it was the case. I thought it was a multi-tracking was just, ever since it was invented, was the dominant force in recording. Well, but I it's actually not. I, I, when I set this room up, I set to, the, the trick I do with it, my band is to record live us playing. I isolate nice. the vocals. Hmm. And then I get the music sound as good as I can. Then I go back and I really nail the vocals. Nice. Get a really good, clean vocal. That's how... And that's how I've been recording. Nice one. And it works. It doesn't sound as produced as... Hmm. Sort of like yours, you can hear everything clearly. This, you get lost in the ether a bit with the sound. Hmm. But that's what vinyl was back in the day Hmm. too. And... um, we're going to play a song now called Viking. Yes. Kabashi. Kabashi, yeah. And Viking, you'll hear what I mean. It was recorded live, except for the vocals, overdubbed. Yeah, overdubbed yeah, right. on the vocals. So you get this kind of warm, mm. you know what I mean? And then you can hear the clanging of the guitars going on in the background and the missing of the notes and all that kind of stuff. All we, the character. Yeah, and it just we leave it at that. So... Uh, well, while we're talking about it, let's play our second let's, song. Yes. And this is Kabashi with Waking. Oh, 
there you go, Pete. That's what I'm saying. It sounded kind of smooth and silky. Apart yeah, from that, that sound like that angry dog barking, barking M sixteen sort of sort of guitar thing. No, it's great, man. the The whole theme of that song is something that you know would it it puts you back there. Well, it's not that I've been there, but yeah. that's where <laughs> oh, kind well, of metal weren't... is inspired. Viking. Well, if you've ever like been in Norway or anywhere well, of the Scandinavian countries, they love metal. Yes, yes, they do. And this is kind of where sometimes I feel like both of us were, you know, born in the wrong country in a way. They really appreciate this kind of music a lot. And possibly because they could relate to it maybe a bit more. I don't know. Harsh I'm people, quite, harsh climate. Yeah. You know, like the maybe. elements and stuff and, and just what you were talking about in this song is very... Well, they're still paganistic. That's the thing too. Like a lot of their stuff and a lot of this thing, like they're anti... A lot of, a lot of you know, like the Norse sort of people, I won't say a lot of them, but... There's huge sectors up there of people that are anti-Christian because it isn't what they are. They're not Christians. They're paganistic and they're mm. the old gods and the old, you know, Norse gods and stuff. And it's not Christianity. And the whole Christianity thing to them is almost vile. Mm. And that's why you get a lot of that sort of Norwegian death metal and a lot of the, you know, Icelandic and s- sort of uh, Greenland and, and Denmark and uh, like all those sort of real Swedish even to a degree uh, and, and probably just come down to Germany you know sort of where it sort of starts to fall away a little bit but even Slavic there's a few Slavic heavy bands as well Russia you know there's all these heavy harsh sounds up there you know if it's not metal or if it's not like a death metal sound it's a it's kind of like a real punk pop grinding sort of weird ass thing that you'll see on Eurovision you know so yeah yeah they've got this and it's because of the culture up there like um it was more the Italian sort of Catholicism the English were the ones that really pushed the Christianity you know what I mean where they were all sort of more of a paganistic I mean their gods were Odin and the Norse gods and all that kind of stuff and it was very harsh harsh culture and they had to be to survive in those climates and I guess that's why their culture leans more towards accepting that kind of music and they find popularity in it you know mm. so, um, I know they're not big on American culture so they don't fall into that you know that they don't grow up listening to the Eagles and you know John Denver and you know all yeah. that sort of Johnny Cash sort of stuff they didn't grow up to that they, they grew up listening to you know, like the the old chanting sort of Norse stuff, mm. and they, they they feel that invoke that power and that yeah, you know so that brooding dark. And that's what I tried to capture with Viking. Like I tried to get that with oh, I tried to get that that sort of thing in it, like a twelve. And the song is about the point of view from a guy, just a kid who is out farming, and he's 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 out on a farm in the twelfth century, and all of a sudden he sees these tall ships. And I actually say tall ships in the song, and now that I think about it, I should have said long ships. Yeah, but, yeah, but right. tall ships to him because he could see these big sails and stuff, and they appear on the horizon. Next thing you know, they're just they're coming in, and uh, yeah. then the king of the land, and that throws him because this is Coventry in England, and Lindisfarne is where 
the Vikings landed around that area. And next thing you know, it's like they they sort of landed there. And, and there's a few other places around Britain where the Vikings came in. And you imagine being a young English peasant boy that, you know, you have this feudal lord that controls you. And basically it's like, well, if you don't fight, you're going to die. And here's a sword, you here's run, a helmet, you, and here's a spear. If you run, you're executed if you're found. And, go for it. Good luck. Yeah. And if you and run... all you are is just in his mind as a simple boy he doesn't want to die now and why if they want to come let them come and take the land and as long as I can just live and that's what what that story is about in that song so mm. yeah quite I love I love writing and I, I, I'm going to make a concerted effort not to write love songs for the next three years <laughs> have you about written one women and love and shit huh? have you written one before Oh, a lot of songs I've written are about. I shouldn't write about love songs. I know nothing about it. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ah, come on. You know. You've got a young one. You've got a lovely wife. Surely there's there's some things that um, there would be heaps to relate to. But I know. It, but at the same time, you know, in these genres, you don't kind of want to go there. It doesn't kind of fit, does it? Well, I've kind of... I just got nice stuff. It. I really love. I never used to like Iron Maiden, but I love what he writes about. And he writes about older times, you know. And mm. and yeah. I've been just Put down these rabbit a... holes for the last six months about Vikings and yeah, right. Sicilian mafia and oh god, I just spent hours on YouTube just watching them feed me brain full of this shit. And so I guess that's what's going to come out. I'm going to write yeah. about that kind of stuff, you know. And now I've got this dark fascination for sort of conspiracy theories. So, Oh, but you've know. always had that. I've always had that. I've of, always had that. Yeah. <laughs> and even songs like, um, we've got another one, like Quarter Mile is about, and we've written a song called, actually Quarter Mile's another one that's recorded that's quite cool, but we've written a song called um, Crystal, and it's about crystal meth, but we sing it like Crystal's this girl that you're just addicted to. And you want to be with her and you love her and all that kind of stuff. And people think, oh, it's a love song. But it's actually, it's about crystal addiction. meth. Addiction, yeah, right. And it's about an addiction, you know. And, Full on. But it kind of sucks Love's because... Love's an addiction, in a way. I'm only writing it from a point of view because I've never... And I guess we'll never make it as a band into the uber stratosphere of rock and roll folklore. Jeez, what is because that Because we're not anymore? addicts and we're not, you know, live a quite a comfortable life and Yeah. And all That's that. just it. You've got to be sensationalist and you know screwed up and drugs well, or you got to be think, something you know? yeah you got to be tell me are you going to tell me that some of the bands that you hear that are doing well are genuine you know what i mean or are they just you know <laughs> it depends what genre genre you're talking about there how many punk bands out there are really true well, punk is hardcore you know i'm going back to gg allen and things like that you know so that's hardcore punk but how many bands are really you know, believe what they're singing, and I call bullshit on a few people lately about it, and and it's uh, definitely morphed into a different genre. It should be called something else, really. It should be called like a uh, millennial fucking whinging. <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah. There was a point where the voices got higher and whingier and whinier. Oh, that was the eighties, man. Was it? Yeah, that was the that was the hair metal of the eighties. No, but that's that's not. They said yeah, that, no, that was the true that was wine. Actually, that was the most bullshit era. <laughs> that was the most bullshit era because they sung about 
Like, girls, 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 girls. Like, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, they were getting slayed. Okay, Motley Crue were. But how many others are out there doing it? And, that, and then half of them, like, you know. But they weren't, their voices weren't whiny, though. They were, but I'm talking about the punk guys that are, they've got these really high, whiny, whingy voices. And they have this cut cutting frequency that, oh, as if they're crying constantly. So what's a sample of a, uh, of one you could tell Simple me? Plan or Dashboard Confessional. Two bands that I just cannot listen to. What's a simple plan song that I, I have know? no idea because I turn it off within <laughs> two seconds of going of hearing it. I think one's called "Welcome to My Life." I think I remember. Welcome to my life. It's so annoying every time I hear it. Not that I hear it much, and I'm glad for that. I'm a better person for it. Do they sing a "I'm not a perfect person"? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not into that genre, so I I'm not across it. Should we play it and analyze no, it? No. <laughs> no, we only push either our music or other people's music on the podcast here. Okay, good. Not yeah, just an annoying snippet. The they don't need the support. I want our four listeners to to listen to our four, four songs. That's up like hundred percent of on last time on it? last month's listeners. Yeah, yeah, two. You know what? We're gonna have an uh, we're gonna have a stacks party when we hit five listeners, <laughs> five five subscriptions. We're gonna have a stacks party. Stacks, stacks on. That'd be enough for stacks yeah, well, on without anyone getting hurt. Without anyone I reckon getting hurt. No, seven stacks, stacks on. on with yeah. seven people. You're on. You it. could deal with that anymore. People would start. Yeah. Stacks. Just clipped us out. Wow. Now I've got a big line. Your wavelength is looking wavelength more is and more waving out. variable. And so let's not talk music for a second because oh. for a podcast that's about musicians that don't talk about music, we've, <laughs> we're kind we've of talked a lot policy. about music tonight. You've changed your policy on Stacks podcast. <laughs> I've lost it. <laughs> Mate, uh, you're talking about being a pilot. Mm. What uh, What brought that on? Because I needed a change. I've been doing the music thing the way I've been doing it for a long time. Um, and, you know, various other things. But I've been – you can't – oh, it's one of those things. There's a lot of luck involved. Um, I was way too naive to think that for a long time that eventually it'll just work out but I realized after a few years that it's I wasn't getting as fulfilled as I was hoping I'd be even even though I was living off nothing like a uni student wage so I've been looking for the last few years for a kind of more of a a career that could fund the whole thing in a way but just step away from it because Music's, it's it's always with you. It's never going to... But how good if you become a pilot, right? You could just sort of turn around and go, yeah, I'm uh, playing Tokyo next week. Yeah. <laughs> go play in a cafe in Tokyo and get back in. <laughs> like, yeah, next week I'm playing in Amsterdam. I'm, uh, yep. 
Spent like a, a quarter of my just annual bus, pay yeah, just, in just to hire a plane to be able to fly to Tokyo and say that no, I've done no, a gig. No, 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 do it while you're working. <laughs> well, you're actually going there to work, but you've got to, you know, stop over for the night. Yeah, I might as well just guitar. play it. A, but then you come back and people go, oh, what have you been up to? Oh, I did a little gig in Copenhagen. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, it's what I do. It's you know, hard being on the road, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> It'll be good. Just to be able to say that, that'd be good. No, but I just, I kind of, I'm keen just to be like a rural Australian pilot. I've been speaking to a lot of pilots recently, uh, one of which was in the Royal Flying Doctor Service. He gets paid very well for flying uh, dudes around, all around Australia who, yeah, everyone's familiar with the Flying Doctor Service. But I'd be... I'd be so happy to be something like that in Australia. See, I'd like to be an aquatic doctor. Arrive in on a boat. Hmm. I like do the like islands up north. I don't know, that'd sea be rescue cool. paramedic type. Yeah, like yeah, sea rescue doctor guy. <laughs> it's sea rescue doctor guy. <laughs> oh, what? He's been bitten by a fucking blue. blue oh look! It's, oh no! It's a blue ring octopus. Oh shit! I'm gonna die. Quick, call the the aquatic doctor guy. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. It would if you made if you were a Hollywood producer and no, you if had the money Ho- to throw Hollywood it. Eyes, to it would be the Hollywood doctor guy. <laughs> the, no, sorry, the aquatic doctor guy. Quick, somebody call a doctor. He's been bitten by a cuttlefish. <laughs> oh shit, he's gonna die. You need to call the doctor guy, the aquatic doctor guy, and he doesn't turn up in a boat. It's like flippers. <laughs> like it just comes out of the water ringing wet like old Jason Momoa. <laughs> like, hey, ladies, or, uh, can I help you? No, it's that guy over there. You know? <laughs> oh, excuse Sam, me, sir, but it looks like you're being bitten by a seriously nasty cuttlefish. Unfortunately, I cannot work on you. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> Anyway, back to you, ladies. Uh, Only sure you haven't been like uh, bitten by a praying mantis or a sea ray or stood on a, a rather nasty pippy. Pippy? What's a pippy? I don't know. It's like a little shell thing. Yeah, have you uh, been attacked by a rabid seahorse lately? Because I'm the aquatic doctor guy. And I think you need mouth to mouth. We need to work on that pitch. If you ever want to take that Hollywood, Jason Momoa is the aquatic <laughs> doctor guy. <laughs> oh, hello, hello, lady. To I used to ride horses and shag a hot blondie, and now I'm the aquatic doctor <laughs> guy. <laughs> now I'm too old for that. So pilot, like, so the steps you're taking, you you have to do school. Yes. Fifteen hundred hours. Yep. Until fifteen hundred hours of in the air. Okay, so five. Hang on. Eight hour day, right? If you flew all day every day, that's eight <laughs> hours. Ten days is eighty. Dude, that's like shitload. Nearly a year's worth of flying. Continuously, yeah. yeah, but that doesn't doesn't work like that 
at all. Can you sort of like go to a shopping centre, <laughs> hop in one of those kids' rides <laughs> and log on? Charter flights and just offer people rides. No, no, no. Like go to a kids' ride, you know, like go to the show or something, you get the little airplane rides. and Yeah. <laughs> And then just say to the guy, oh, look, just keep it going, mate. I need to clock up the hours. <laughs> <laughs> Landing. Take off. Yeah. No, it's got to be legit. Or it's, and, and not even that, you can do a, f- a couple of hours in a simulator right. only in your CPL phase from what I, yeah. But the rest have got to be up in the air. Yeah. And fair enough. Cause Are you going to start want... a Cessna? Yes. Always. Yep. Yeah. Fixed wing. What, what? Well, variable wing. <laughs> I was just going to get to that because I've, all, I've always wondered, like, when they say it's a fixed wing Optional aircraft. Optional wing. And I've, I've always had a couple of questions. One, Freaking what rocket. other type of winged aircraft is there? It's not a fixed wing air. What do, you, what do you mean it's not a fixed wing? Well, the wings are left in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a rocket, so, basically. It's a rocket. So the, the other one was, if it's called a fixed wing aircraft... Why did they need to fix it in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> like the time I went up to fly in the uh, up in the Pilbara, and I, when I was tour guiding, I went up there to fly in a helicopter over the the Bungle Bungles, and you have to hop on a scale, and they were Robinson forty fours or twenty twos. So if you know the the aircraft, they're a helicopter. Robinson, those little ones, twenty twos a two seater, forty fours a four seater. Anyway, so I'm up there and uh, the guy goes, oh, you coming up? And I, for ages I said no. And then one day I went, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see him. Because I didn't like the look of these choppers. Anything that looks like I need a can opener to get in and out of, <laughs> I don't really want to fly in. So anyway, he's going to me, he goes, oh, I'll take you up. Just me and you'll go up for a cruise while they're out in the 44. So we're in this little Robinson 22 and it's seriously, it's tiny. It's you know, it's like one of those smart cars with a stick out the back of it and a lollipop on the top. And uh, yeah. it, it, before we get here, you say, oh, can you jump on the scales? And I said, well, what's that for? He goes, well, then I can figure out <clears throat> how much fuel to put in it. <laughs> and I'm like, fill the bastard up. <laughs> he goes, I don't want to carry too much weight. Yeah. I said, well, I'm 100, back then I was probably 125 kilos. And I'm going, mate. How, you're not going to get much fuel in if I'm 125 kilos of this thing. You know, like seriously, it was, it was a tiny little chopper. And, yeah, and I was I was like freaking out. Like, I'd just fill, fill it up. Fill, <laughs> yeah. Fill the thing yeah. right up. Because at what point does he go, oh, shit, the scales are wrong. And you yeah. conk out of fuel halfway through Panalulu. Like. No, it's a big it's a big part of, yeah, the whole process. The, the weights and concerns. That throws everything out. Because getting off the ground is more of a challenge than people might think. You can't just fill them up to max and go, oh, yeah, because then you've got air pressures to deal with, runway runway lengths, uh, God, baggage, per, you know, there's so many variables. You've got heaps of stuff to help you, formulas and graphs to work it out, but you'll find that even the airlines, they don't fill up their planes to the brim they only have enough to divert to the an emergency airport for landing, which is usually approximately half an hour away from their destination. So just enough for that, and that's it. Because it's it's. What it, if they're further than half or hour away? Well, they fill up a little bit more. 
but only that much. So I'll never like fill an aircraft to the brim. Perth to Sydney. And they're going to put in just enough fuel. Just to enough to get to sun, uh, to Sydney and half because an hour I've further. Because I've been halfway across and they've turned around and come back. Or a bit further than halfway. Turn around and come back? Yeah. Well, that had been just enough we to get to Sydney or so. We got three flight ones from, from Sydney to Perth. And then, then when they got here, they said, oh, there's a lot of ground fog on the ground. We can't land in Perth. And we ended up landing in Tullamarine in bloody Melbourne. Really? Five hours after taking off from... Well, Sydney. there you go. That's about the same distance, so that's well, all right. Well, I lost time and space and continuums and shit. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> that threw me out. I was like, five hours, I was still in the same place. Well, that's probably why they got to a critical stage. I haven't learned this quite this far yet, but they probably got to a critical part in the flight. Um, and this is all prepared for, where they go, they have to make a call. If the weather hasn't cleared in the destination, then they well, have to divert. It's touch and go. It's, oh, well, we're going back. Yeah. They have to make a call within a certain point because they've only got so much fuel to get either there or to divert to the nearest airport. Imagine if like a a Boeing, you know, sort of a Boeing Starliner or something, whatever the new ones are now, pulled up on the... Uh, Airbus A380, Airbus, yeah, whatever they are, mega bloody... Like that, yeah. A330 or something like that, pulled up on the Nullarbor and like just pulled up at a server... <laughs> Fill her up. Fill her up. <laughs> now we've got ethanol. Oh, I'll have all those octane boosters in the, in yeah. the shop. <laughs> uh, all the caro you've got. Give us all your Stick caro. It. <laughs> Stick it. Yeah, I mean, do you, do, you, do you have any fear of flying? Like, I mean, do you... No, but it's funnily enough, when I started committing to all this a couple of months ago, a few months ago, I did on occasion have a funny dream, flying dream, about fearful kind of flying stuff. Not not ultra fearful, like just, constant, you know, disastrous stuff, but just little things, um, you know, concerns and things. Like, like the I, wings not, falling off and shit? Mm, sort have, of, but... I used to have a dream all the time when I was driving buses that I had brake failure. Mm, I had that all the time, was, though, And it was cars. an anxiety thing about... I don't know whether it was self sabotage. I didn't want to get up consciously in the morning to go to work. I'm not sure, but used to honestly used to have dreams about brake failure. Yeah, I would have that a lot too. I still do about cars that just the brakes don't work and you're just pressing as hard. Oh, so it's a dream thing. We'll have to get the book. There'll be a reason for it. Yeah, big time. And it isn't because you got a massive dong. I don't think that would be That's the dream the, bit. Oh, no, I in know dream it's book. not the reason as to why I'm having them dreams. <laughs> we can, process of elimination. Yeah. Mark that one off. That one's gone. <laughs> okay. So there's so many possibilities it still could be. We've really made progress. <laughs> <laughs> but we know for sure. <laughs> one thing we know for sure. That if you have them dreams where <laughs> you're pushing the brake pedals and you're not stopping, it's not because. You've got a massive dong. Or, yeah. 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 <laughs> or fear of having... Cold extremities could be for that reason. <laughs> you know, like you're sort of hitting a piss trough, touching it with your bell end. Piss trough. Yeah, like in the middle of winter without realising, you know. And then you get cold extremity anxiety, you know what I mean? So 
Yeah, we get that. Well, we never have to deal with that because we don't have massive dong syndrome. Clearly, because if we're having, well, if we're having these dreams, what about? Oh, that's second, right. It was what about second joystick syndrome. Do you ever get that in a plane? Like, it's like you're playing with one joystick. Next thing, no, you're playing with the wrong joystick, and you're half asleep. <laughs> you know, it's like hang on, the hang on, me flaps aren't going down. Like, you know, because it's equal opportunity. Oh no! You know, if it's not on, it's not ale, Ron. You know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> oh, you can hear you, you're ready for a tour soon. <laughs> a buffet tour. Yeah. <laughs> the jokes are flying. He's ready, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it here first. Scheduled for, geez, I don't know, Christmas. When's your time off? Oh yeah. Enough, I'll be ready by then though. (laughs) Okay, this is a song off my up and coming tour in 2026. It's called 2026. It's called (laughs) Sorry I'm Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't quite make it. Nah, didn't quite make it. Jeez, I'll tell you what, this is a very dark podcast if I do die before 2026. Everyone will be going, oh, hang on a minute, remember that podcast? (laughs) Fuck. When he promised he was going to do that tour in 2026, but he didn't. And then this podcast would be worth heaps of money or something. It'd be rare. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, worth heaps of money. People that. would be talking about like, it and yeah. stuff. I'm going to sign this podcast before <laughs> sign it, and that way it'll be so worth someone who, and date it. I'm going to sign be, and date it. Yeah, this podcast. Yeah, yeah that'd be a life t- insurance. You've got all the good ideas. That's why I love talking about this stuff. Because <laughs> I came up with that idea all by myself. Yeah. Well, you did want to be a pilot. Oh. Until you realised there's every chance you're going to get second joystick syndrome and <laughs> drive it into the dirt. Is that what you, you Do you wake up from second joystick syndrome dreams face up or face down? That's a serious question, yeah. Have to be face up, wouldn't it? And you're going to have your landing gear up or down. Well, you're trying to land, aren't you? You're taking off a... I... I, Oh, hang on. Sorry, I can't really... Second joystick. No, you're definitely pulling back on that joystick. You're you're, you're heading to the clouds. You've taken off. (laughs) My imagination hasn't quite gone the same way as yours. And you're not coming... Because usually when you're landing, you're coming. But when you're going, you're taking off. Yeah. Very confusing, I know. It's a lot to think about if you're going to take this job seriously. <laughs> Second joystick syndrome. Oh, it's it's big. It's huge. It's huge. Like a lot of, a lot of wannabe pilots about. or two B pilots and that suffer from it. <laughs> they wake up in the middle of the night with a hand on the second second joystick syndrome, face up, taking off. <laughs> I, I need to have a serious conversation with a professional pilot about this. Just to, just so make, got a just to rest my fears. That, that believes that there's a pilot while they're going through, like a rally driver's. You ever seen him in an office chair? Holy shit. <laughs> it's like they've got a fucking arsehole full of bees. 
<laughs> so you know, everyone goes through in their profession, you know, and that's well, that's what you'll go through. Is, it's like phantom limb, you know, it's like second joystick syndrome. You you just so wake up in the middle of the night and your hands on the wrong joystick, and you, but you're dreaming of another one, you know, and you know you're pushing all sorts of shit, and yeah, it's it's not working. Your uh, navigator's on the blink, and your co-pilot's snoring his head off. <laughs> <laughs> or her, her, her head off, whichever way you go. I mean, it's equal opportunity these days. <laughs> <laughs> what about a hot air balloon? If you if you become a pilot, can you fly a hot air balloon? No, it's a different license. It must be. You need a different license. I tell you what, though. One thing I have noticed a lot is that you definitely need, uh, I haven't looked into it, but a license for drone piloting. So it must be a it must be if you're flying a drone that is, I don't know, certain. Well, I haven't looked into it all, but yeah, that's massive now. You got to go and get your license for that stuff. You can't just remote fly a bloody drone around. So if Perth. I went out and bought a DJ Phantom Two, the hell is that? Like a little drone about that big with pretty good camera on it. Before I, I go flying over nudist beaches and filming it, some, I, I, I don't know. License. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's everywhere now. So whether I don't know if it's a range thing that, yeah, or or is it over a certain height? Do you have a height restriction until you need a license? Perhaps, yeah, probably yeah. something like that. Because then if you're you flying in our zone, in space. If it's got the range to, because it's only no. what, sixteen kilometers to the. There's not enough. There's not enough atmosphere for it to actually push anything because you got propellers. When you get up that high, the air is so thin that it's not actually pushing anything. You'd only get, you'd only be able to get to a certain height. Let's say that your radio thing transmitters can go. Oh, bad mic technique just there. First time this whole podcast. Um, just compress that part for us. <laughs> if you theoretically had endless range on your transmitter and receiver things within the drone and your remote control. You could keep going, going, going to God knows how high, but there'd be a point where your propellers just wouldn't create thrust anymore because there's not enough particles. There's nothing to thrust push. against, Yeah, basically. So, yeah. You start needing jets and rockets and things like that. Well, then how can a rocket, because the rocket, what's the rocket doing then? That's a good point. What's the difference? Don't quote me. I I actually should have. I'm just going to put a disclaimer. Because a propeller now. is still propulsion, it and is. a rocket is still propulsion. Yet a rocket can push you through space. Or is it the fraction? Is it the? Is it the? It pushes upon itself in a rocket. Where a propeller needs to grab something in order to, ah, oh, crap! You know? It's like I, okay, this is the way I look at it. Like, imagine you could shit a hell of a lot. Like you could just like you could infinitely turd at the at whenever you wanted to on cue. And if you could just like just shit and it just started flowing out, but your shit is so much that it starts piling on top of itself, you're gonna get higher. So that's kind of like rocket propulsion. But if you fart <laughs> and not like shit, then 
You know what I mean? Like, then, nah, because that's still propulsion. Okay. If you shit into a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Where is this theory? Where is this going? I don't know. I'm trying to explain propulsion. If you shit into a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Is this another one of those uh, somethings for dummy... uh, Books for textbooks for dummies. Like oh, propulsion for dummies! Propulsion yeah, for Propul- dummies books that yeah. that you've been reading. No, maybe. no. <laughs> I was just thinking of a real logical way to look at it. <laughs> because if it was true, my daughter would be somewhere between Uranus and really Pluto. the upper stratus troposphere. Yeah, she just it just flows out. Like, but she's at that age. She needs to fart. She doesn't even need to eat. Really? She, she converts oxygen into. into oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently that's what needs to happen. Just like, mm, have you ever tried? Oh no, let's not go there. You're gone. No, I won't. Go can't. on. You can't. Well. You can't say. I watched oh, a no, lot of I eco stuff years back. I'm still right into it, but but we can't use human shit for fertilizer, can we? And it's because we eat meat products. I'm pretty certain, but or is it the chemicals that we ingest? Yeah, I think it's something to do with the breaking down. We can use it for for fertilizer, but it's it's toxic. Yeah, why? Human shit's toxic because of what we eat. Doesn't that say something? That we're already getting it wrong? We're eating shit. I wonder where cancer comes from. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here we go. All right. So if we shit in a garden (laughs) and our azaleas die, (laughs) it's probably going to end up with cancer. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? It's a a good telltale. There's something for everybody. Go out out right now. And just drop them and just squab in your garden. Just let it loose. Squab in your garden and then go back tomorrow the same day. Your lilies, and if there's a one metre radius Zylias. around that prolifically stinky shit that you've just done from the night before because you've, you've eaten spaghetti bolognese and you put a little bit too much cracked pepper on it and you've killed off the fucking neighbour's garden as well. You know, you're probably not going to go too if good. You, yeah. yeah. If you keep going that direction, you may. But if you eat just. A cancer of some description. Like to say you ate just lettuce. Like cos lettuce. And they call it cos lettuce cause because the only time you just eat it cos. <laughs> you know? But just say you're going to eat cos lettuce. So you're shitting out pretty much will just tree product. <laughs> Dream. Okay, you're having cos lettuce and broccoli, <laughs> Brussels sprouts, cabbage. Greenery. And asparagus. Imagine <laughs> the, you, you just, that was dinner. If you get up the next morning without eating anything else and just drinking a bit of water and then let go of that green putrid shitstorm the next morning into the garden... Will you then kill the azaleas? <laughs> There's anyone out there that knows the answer to this? We need to know. 
It's a need to know basis. Yep. It's above. We, and why couldn't you like eat it again? Would there be any nutritional value in it whatsoever? Yeah. So we get dogs chickens. Yeah. All the time. Well, we get chickens and pigs and cows and all their manure and horse manure, everything. Use it for fertilizer. Do we use horse mm. manure? And that's the part of the whole, you know, cycle of life. But human shit. It's a good question. <laughs> anyway, if you know the answer, call in. One three hundred stacks. One three hundred stacks. Yeah. <laughs> or just Actually, go to the that, Facebook page and, and, and let us know. Yeah, yeah. Preferably. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pete, I'm gonna start towards wrapping this uh epic. We should before we get into any kind of yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's been it's been going heading down south in more ways than one. And all turned to shit in the <laughs> end, didn't it? <laughs> it did. So you're probably right in calling it. I'm just calling it because I'm tired, man. I'm a dad now and I'm up early. And I'm like, this is like, it's probably 10 o'clock at night. And I should be in bed like two hours ago. Well, I'm nah, it's, it's going to be pushing midnight at least. We'll say that just to save some face. Oh, it is. Well, there the official go. the officialdom's in, and the podcast has been going for nearly two hours, and it is 11 past 12. There we go, folks. I'm joking. So in saying that, we are going to wrap it up. Pete, always good to talk to you, my man. You too, dude. Good luck with becoming a pilot. Cheers. Good luck with that awesome music that you're still doing. And you know what? I think I'm looking forward to you writing something without pressure, something that just purely makes... You mm, happen. That could happen. We might get back to that real disjointed weird think. fucking time signature stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> so no one, no one has to dance to this. <laughs> it's purely for my mathematical, you know, it's purely for my, my mathematical pleasure. I just like jerking people around in time signatures. Mathematical. Well, do that, do that becoming a pilot. Just yeah. <laughs> third joystick syndrome. <laughs> Oh, there's too many variables. They're not called a joystick in a plane, are they? What are they called? The, you know what? I don't even know. Oh. I haven't learnt that far into the textbook that I'm getting into at the moment. Yeah. It's the... Oh, shit. I don't even know. Could be joystick. Something column. I don't think... I don't That's think, so weird. I don't I think don't it translates as in... It's joyous. <laughs> To use it. <laughs> Joystick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mate. I'll tell you, next podcast, I'll answer Next podcast, question. I don't know when it'll be, like next time you're over. Maybe I'll see you, I might come visit. Who knows? Who knows go what's going to happen? Go yeah? Newcastle. And then go to Melbourne. Why don't you, yeah, why don't you, uh, yeah, well, if I'm over there, maybe come up and stay or not. That could be not interesting. Not much, to, like, 100 bucks return flight up that way. I drive. Newcastle's not far at all from Melbourne. Sydney is only 800k. It's nothing. It's like going to Carnarvon from here. Yeah. Which was just nothing. That's true. A lot of people think that. Because I drove from, for a gig when I was over there, I drove, I was visiting my sister in Newcastle. And I had a gig in Mackay. Yeah. And it was an overnight drive. But I loved it. So. That's pretty far though. It was Newcastle and Mackay. It was like driving from here to Broome. Nearly the same. 
Yeah, it's pretty. That's mm. yeah, that's next level. I drove. Well, here's this. This is why I'm probably not successful. <laughs> I think I was paid six hundred dollars for the gig. <laughs> By the time I drove there, and drove back in fuel alone, it cost me about nine hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was in a little little van. I actually stole uh, Mr. Standen's. He had a little little van. St- who's Mr. Standen? Mr. Pop Standen. Ah. Yeah. He had a little van. So he was touring at the time, but he had a layover of about four days while I went off and done this gig. So he said I could take his little hooner, which was really good. Nice one. Yeah. All right, champion, I'm getting very tired. It's been great. It's been stacks again. Listen, I've been saying it for a while now. I am going to try and get Mr. Rob Powdrill, um, one of Australia's uh, best fighting talents, uh, a good MMA fighter, and, and we'll have a lot of stories to tell. An ex-bouncer, well, he's still bouncing, actually, but it'll be good to bring up the old stories. As, of course, I used to do that kind of stuff years and years ago myself, so it'll be a very interesting, uh, you know, who's the baddest man on the planet sort of uh, type of fighter. We will talk a lot of MMA, talk a lot of fighting, uh, just funny stories. Um, he's been around the traps as well, so... Look forward to that. I will contact him this week and try and get him in the studio. Pete, fantastic talking to you again, mate. I do miss you. I do miss having you over here. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll Cheers, catch up man. with each other soon. Very soon. That song we listened to earlier from Pete was... Too Far This Time. As yeah. in you've taken and it And we too also far listened to Viking time. from the band Kabashi. Yes. Uh, I personally know the bass guitarist quite well. And you may know the vocals. Are you playing bass in that in band? In that band, yeah. Okay, over and out. Play the music.